This episode is brought to you by readers like you. Go to idlethumbs.net slash forums to enjoy yourself. It's January 29th, 2014. This is Idle Thumbs 143. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vandeman. Hey! No, I don't want to talk about what I was going to talk about. Wow, <laughs> that was a hell of a... <laughs> I thought we were off to the races I know, there. I did too. I was your, so excited about lit up not having like an awkward moment where we're all waiting for each did, other oh, to say oh, something. Oh man, it's because what I was going to talk about is... The format of the intro to an Out of Thumbs episode, oh. which seems like it's what we I think always we already did that last week. I know like it's all we ever talk about. Sorry, uh, think too much about the opening of the episodes. Um, you spend all week just thinking about the opening of the episode, and now like, it's happening. Self fulfilling prophecy. Uh, You're basically in a being John Malkovich of shit. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Idle Thumbs thanks, podcast. Jake. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah. Sean and I played the Banner Saga last night. Oh, I was good. just going to say Chris and I played the Banner Saga. Oh, so you two played the Banner Saga. We played it together. Mm-hmm. It's not a multiplayer game, but no. we played it We just played together. it at the same computer. My computer. Mm-hmm. But it's always our computer to me, Chris. No, thanks, Sean. It's my computer. Well, well I mean, thanks anyway. Yeah. So... <laughs> the moments in that game when we were making... We were, like, talking over strategy about how to, like... We were having these really close shaves in some of these battles. Yeah, it's a yeah. turn-based strategy game, not unlike... I don't like XCOM or XCOM, something. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the it's battle parts tactical, are, right? Yeah, turn-based tactical. Yeah, like Final yeah. Fantasy Tactics or whatever. And the boards are pretty similar. Like, they're pretty, I mean, plain. Yeah, they're squares, yeah, basically. Yeah, squares. So, um, those moments when we were deciding, like, okay, move to this square, let's do this. No, this guy can give this guy a bonus, and then we'll be fine. And, like, eking out battles. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, really good. Also, they, it's gorgeous as hell. It's a ridiculously like well-drawn game in a very literal sense. Like it's The whole thing is done in very traditional animation, the sort of classic Disney style, like mid-century mm-hmm. you know, uh, Disney cell animation style, and it's really beautiful. Like The backgrounds are hand-painted, and yeah. the characters are all hand-animated. They're all Ivan Early. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really, really, really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... Um, it was funny. I was talking. I can't remember exactly the observation that was made about the art style, other than it must be weird to be sixteen right. and play that game. And you know, it's from it's an aesthetic of an era, but right, we're now at an age where it's things are nostalgic. That's for been us sort like of that. subsumed. Like, yeah. yeah, animation now just means like commercial animation doesn't mean a thing that is that anymore, right? Like, at all. Well, like, there was also a long time you could never get anything like that made. And that was only probably like five to ten years ago. Oh, for sure. Where if you were like, oh, like look at these old Tom Orub cartoons from the fifties, people would be like, Bleh. but now that sort of has a lights. 
People stopped it's, making and you know, them and made shitty enough ones. Well, they made high fidelity ones, like with beautiful, like really crisp animation that sort of looked like the thing from the fifties. That's but performed true. like a game from today, right? And then people accepted it as a, as a. Oh, but I just mean for years there, that stuff died, and no one understood what it took to make it because right. you're like, I will just get the whatever half frame rate weird Thundercats looking uh, thing for a third of the price. Right, right, right. We'll just model something bad, or we'll do bad 2d animation that we outsource it's amazing how much animation is in that game because i don't really think the team is very big i know it's kind of bonkers i mean it must be i have like it must be a very animator slanted team because i don't know how else you make that thing do you know much about these guys no i really don't stoic no yeah they had uh this game is a product of a successful kickstarter Mm -hmm. and i really like the turn-based strategy stuff a lot but i don't like anything else about the game <laughs> so what's <laughs> like not you don't like just, the visuals or no i like the visuals i mean i'm sorry about the ex- the play experience outside what's of the, the structure aesthetics. of it because i know chris you played um you played the, the like free the, to play version. The, the free to play like the banner yeah. saga factions which was just the now combat. that i played banner saga it was it's just the combat yeah i guess i can't i didn't play very much of it because okay. i kind of i started to and i played a couple battles and i'm like eh, i just we're gonna wait, wait for the, the real right. banner saga yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it was there man we're that whole intro thing was still in there, or I mean, the like tutorial was in there, mm-hmm. and the first part where you see the first like town from outside, which I love, like that. God, that's that is like my favorite looking stuff in the game. Like the the character animation stuff is obviously like super gorgeous, but my mm-hmm. favorite things are when you have just a long like establishing shot. I mean, you can't really call it an establishing shot because you're interacting with it, but it's serving that purpose mm-hmm. of just showing the environment you're in, and it's really pulled back. And there's a few planes of depth, but the cool thing is because it's all 2D hand painted, like every plane of depth has the same level of detail, right. which is, you know, you, it's a weird thing. Like one, because it's so incredibly high fidelity um, that it just looks like every depth layer is maxing out the available resolution, which you don't realize is that unusual until you see it. And it just feels like an order of magnitude more crisp. Mm-hmm. than other games you've played. You know, it's a weird sensation. Um, and it makes perfect sense. It's all just 2D flats. But like, um, but it still felt very weird to me um, in a good way. Like, I, I loved it. I'd never got tired of like cutting back to those big panoramas and scrolling around them and seeing the parallax and just the, the level of detail was just bonkers to me. Um, I love that stuff a lot. I really liked it. And then the, I, but <laughs> to get to Jake's question, the play experience is tactical turn-based strategy, but sewn together through... Uh, There's some sort of saga at play here, right? There's <laughs> definitely a saga. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah, <laughs> that, is, that is not in question. There's like, some, like a legendary story. Yeah. 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 But you're moving your caravan from like location to location, which has a resource management um, choice to it, but then you encounter... Uh, story like unexpected story events along the way that are I guess structurally um, similar to what happens in something like FTL, but execution wise very 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 different. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to where you're going, there's usually uh, a lot of actual character interaction with a bunch a bunch of dialogue trees and uh, like choice driven narrative stuff that will ultimately funnel you towards one of these like turn-based tactical battles and that seems to be the cycle of the game the issue i have with that is that it doesn't it's not paced appropriately 
Like I feel I like we were just trying to get to the next battle. Right. And we're talking like in between battles, five mm-hmm. minutes. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. Right. And that's not like sitting there I mean, making I, yeah, tactical I would decisions. Say it was, felt like longer than that sometimes, but yeah. that might have just been how it felt. Yeah, right. That's like not making tactical decisions like, oh, I'm going right. to buy this thing and sell well, the this thing, thing and like upgrade this guy. It's talking to a dude's face. Right. Yeah. But the, and the game tells you that you're making meaningful decisions during the times. Like it explicitly it tells you, yeah. like you're going to, when you interact with these characters, you're making choices and the game will remember that. But when you're actually doing it, like you're, it's, there's just so much dialogue and like the choices are so like ill defined to me. And like just the, the overall like qu- quantity of fiction is so overwhelming that I'm just I'm like, well, I mean, if I just pr- click through all these, I'm just going to, I'm going to get to the next battle. You know, like I don't, it, I, I feel like the game gave me so much context that I wasn't, that it like overwhelmed this, whatever stakes are involved. And like, I just right. didn't connect to it anymore. Um, <laughs> I had a really hard time feeling like I was a person imparting like that I, with agency, even though that is, even though the game explicitly tells you that's right. what you are. Like that is the entire crux of the experience, um, which was really troubling to me. I had a really hard time getting over yeah. that. Which is a bummer because it's a, I mean, to me, it's a super typical case of a game that like just is not as good as it could be because they actually just added too much stuff. Right. And if it was literally the exact same game, but just had like 75% less of that stuff in between battles, mm-hmm. I think it'd be way snappier and way better right. and would be a lot more impactful. And like, like we all were, that story stuff was snappier in the sense of something like FTL or flotilla or the, the yog. It would be yeah. like, Oh, I feel like the I wouldn't yog, be here cause we'd be playing it still. Yeah, I know. Um, the, we talked a lot about the yog last night when we were playing it. I really, I really feel like the yog is disproportionately important, like relative to how substantial an experience it's, it feels it's like. It's kilobyte you know I mean? footprint. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, it's just, it it's feels very kind of, slight as a game. Yeah, the game kind of presents itself almost as a trifle, you know, which is cool. But like the that like sort of belies how I think punchy and it's super good like, just tight like, and you yeah. make a decision here's what the repercussion is and you right just go but and, not only Whoa. that like the decisions are presented in like a colorful way mm-hmm. that's everything is tonality is like tonally of a piece like the way it looks and reads and sounds all fits together in a way that is um i think really affecting and, mm-hmm. and convincing like i you know i suspend my disbelief across that for the most part um and i feel like anyone who's making a game that involves um, this kind of branching or sort of pseudo branching narrative choice just needs to play that game because it'll take you not very long. Yeah. And it does what it does so much better than most games. Um, like that game. And then if you have the patience for it, Crusader Kings 2, because um, that game, like, right. <laughs> you made the observation last night that that game manages to present these situations in fewer words than the Banner Saga does. And Crusader Kings 2 is like actually taking on. The entirety of like it's encapsulating the entire history, of Western you know? European like, history. Yeah, yeah. Like that that is like it's it's really substantial shit that's going on, and like I still feel like in a lot of cases, I and mean, they're hamstrung by historical rules as opposed right. to saying, "Oh, why don't we just not have it be the case that this type of guy right. can't become right. this type of leader?" Right. Well, you can do that in a fantasy realm. Yeah, yeah you can't. Do and that then in a another game that I I um I like in this respect, it's not maybe as applicable as these other two for this, but I still think it's relevant. Is um. The King's Bounty games, those are games where you like, they're, they're like Heroes of Might and Magic where you kind of run around on an overworld and then you run into enemies and you have turn-based battles. And I love King's Bounty. I played those games for 
like dozens and dozens of hours. Um, but like along the way you get these little just bits of story and they're just like a pain of information and you react to them and a thing happens as a result and it's sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's beneficial and sometimes it harms you, but it's like, you know, they get in, get out. And I don't like, because the substance of the banner saga already is this like really well, in my opinion, well-built game that they've constructed this like Mm -hmm. really solid turn-based strategy thing. The strategy stuff is really good. Yeah. I really, I never not enjoyed it. We kept sort of like peeling back like foibles and yeah, nuance. Yeah, yeah. We're like, totally. oh, wait, we yeah, could totally yeah. do this right now. Yeah. Right. And it, I like that they didn't pull punches, at least on the difficulty level we were oh, playing. Fuck. Like we had some close calls that really, were really great really hard. and some losses that were still really entertaining. Right. Um, like, but because that is what the actual game part is really, I feel like just why even oversell the stuff in between? Like just mm-hmm. get in, get out, like give the players some interesting choices, keep it snappy. Like don't introduce five times as many characters as you need to. Like, I, I don't know. I it's a, I hate to trash this game because I because I, I probably actually will keep playing it and just click through a lot of that stuff. Um, but I it just the reason it bums me out, I guess, is because I feel like this is such a common problem in games. Right, is just like fiction overload, and I'm like, I don't need this much lore. Like I just like who who needs that? Like that's not what your game. is. It's not actually what your game is. Yeah, I mean, and to the game's credit, I've had a lot of people who I respect who like play with like friends tell me that they really buy the character interaction. They really start to care yeah, for the, they fine. start to care for the individual. Yeah, I think the, assuming that the game does actually create a suspension of disbelief for you, the reason that you want to progress can flip for some players. Presumably the problem like, is for me, it doesn't right with the narrative. You can tell though that from a design standpoint, for at least from what it sounds like, what their hope was is that you'd want to go and win these battles so that X, Y, and Z would be, would happen next, or the, so yeah. you could see the next character moment. But if you don't, yeah. if they don't well, grab so, you at all, right. then it's like so any other it's game. All oh, dire- I, it's for me. It, it's all direction and word choice with this stuff. Like you, it needs to have have as many words in it, and it needs to be far more explicit. Yeah. About because, I mean, I kind of were you in? The, I don't think you were in the office when I was talking about this today, but there is a large chunk of the beginning of the game where I don't know who I am. Like I don't <laughs> know which character I am, and. I'm never drawn on screen in something like FTL or I I guess you are in the YOG, but it simply says you go to this place. This thing happens to you. You say one, two, three, four, five. You say you do A or B. You know, it's like like an FTL, you mean? Yeah, it's so direct and you feel like, okay, I am the I am the guy in charge. I am the commander. I am the pilot of this ship. Is that because they're going for some sort of high concept thing or do you think that it's just um, Um, that's a good question because I don't know how to answer it. No, I think they just wrote a story with a lot of characters in it. And it's like, this is the one the player is. You're the guy with the horns. Right. But like sometimes that character is not there. Right. But you're still making choices on part of the players. Right. Characters are on screen. Yeah. It'd be like. I mean, not to talk about The Walking Dead, but it'd be like starting off as Lee and then it cuts to a scene of like Carly and Kenny, but you're making choices for Kenny, hmm. which is cool, but there's no communication of that through direction. And I have a hard time with that because I feel like they have these beautiful portraits on screen. We're cutting between them as they're talking, but the na- literally the nature of the cuts, like which shoulder they cut to. And once they cut, there's this sort of like quarter of a second, like, left to right shift so it feels like the camera kind of like swooped in you mm-hmm. know that is really disorienting hmm. and that it's 2d flats 
that it feels like it's jumping the line. But the more I look at like last night, I was like, sure it was. And the more I looked at it, I'm like, I think I don't it's actually know. panning. It's I think pan- it's actually just panning. The pan makes it feel like anyway, I mean, this is stupid line. to talk about because it's we're talking about something that people can't aren't going to know unless they've played right, the but game. But I mean, if you've played the game, like I'm just trying to like, I just, I want to justify my criticism. So I'm not sure, just like, sure, sure, sure. Like pooped on. Uh, and I, but to the larger point is these sorts of directional choices are communication. Therefore they are game design and, and writing. build the context for how the player is going to engage the conflict of the experience. So when I am disengaged from that and feel like I can't like, wrap my hands around the context of the micro choice that I'm being asked to make. I just kind of throw my hands up and like make it like, like right. Chris said, just well, especially something. because you you're faced with so many of these in between battles that <clears throat> you'd start to just kind of get fatigued by them. At least I did. So the, um, this is the thing I'm about to say is both a, I suppose like an extension of the criticism we've been laying, but also in, in most ways a praise, which is that I think atmospherically this game is like, off the charts good in the sense mm-hmm. that one it's gorgeous like it's just straight up gorgeous but it's also gorgeous in a way that is very restrained mm-hmm. like when you were sean when you were saying like you know they didn't give a shit about 16 year olds when they were making this game like there's part of that that has to do with um as you say just the era of animation it draws from but the part that i like the way before you explain that the way i interpreted that right. was like how much this game is just not bombastic at all which i really yeah. like like the everything is presented in this like i don't this almost sort of um glacial pace and i mean that in a good way um like animation is sort of deliberate and like when you're moving from place to place it's with these sort of almost stately like slow pan shots that are at great distance um all, all the like ex, the exterior environments are these like grand sort of pastoral scenes like everything is really measured in a way that I think is awesome. And like the soundtrack by Austin Wintry is super subtle and like really evocative. Um, just all that, all of those like atmospherics are so, so restrained and so subtle. And I like, so that makes me kind of bummed out that the textual side of it is this like avalanche, right? <laughs> Cause right. I'm like all the other audio visual parts yeah, just are like something. pulled back, subtle, like sort of quiet, um, restrained, and I'm like, oh man, that's why I keep thinking of the Yog because the Yog has that in text, where it's like it it, it really just sells the atmosphere through all of the trappings of it, and then the text doesn't even need to do any work. That's the thing, right? Like if you're in a video game, like you have all of this shit that you can communicate stuff through all this tone, mm-hmm. and so you really don't like if you're doing a good job, which in the Banner Saga they absolutely are doing a good job with all that stuff. You don't actually need that many like just words literally on the screen mm-hmm. to communicate what you're trying to get across. And I, um, so, I mean, that's, I guess one of the reasons I'll, I, I'm pretty, I'll probably be pretty happy to keep playing this, at least for me. Um, I know that like the one part in that equation that I actually have the power to just speed through is the text part. So I might just do that. And like, I, I really do love basically all the other parts of the entire game. Like I, I, I hate that we're spending so much time ragging on it because I feel like they did. There's so many things in this game they did such a good job with right. that. Like, I think that's why I'm so pissed because <laughs> it's just like, fuck, you had me. Mm-hmm. I was so everything you're describing is totally yeah what I love, mm-hmm. and I see it for all those merits. Yeah, but I think those words are really important. Like, they I know have I'm not. I'm not saying they aren't. You know I just what I mean. 
It, the, other the, like with outside of it, it feels like a like like an amazing piece of theater, where like I but in a different language where I'm like, oh, I can really appreciate it for all the set. But I'm okay you know with I mean? that. You know what I mean? Like that's enough for me. <sighs> I'm not saying I, I yeah. prefer. I'm just Problem saying it's not in a different language. It's fucking English. <laughs> I can catch a second of it and be like, "No, oh, come on, what?" Yeah. See, I'm. I guess I'm just because, like, be, I, I guess just on a personal level, I'm more able to just overlook that than you are. I like that. Fair, right? Like, like I like that. About, like, I like that attribute about you. Like, I like that you're able to do that. Right. But like, sure. I mean, brains are different. It's just, I don't know. I have one more question about the Banner Saga, which is just yeah. um, what you're saying about the all-encompassing tone of the game with the exception of the, like, lore yeah. lore dump stuff. Does that carry over to the combat as well? Like, I Yeah, mean, I actually think it does. Like, so there's a, there's a minor thing that kind of annoys me about that part of the combat where, like, the animations are kind of um, long and slow and kind of I, a... Um, classically dramatic i guess which can be kind of annoying in battle when you just want to know instantly like all right is my guy dead or is he just Mm -hmm. like knocked back i just hurry up let's go but other than that one case like in combat it does feel like it still does feel like that it doesn't it's turn-based for one thing which aids in that overall um like the the sense of scale and pacing yeah exactly yeah the rest of the game for you like it it really it does for me it totally like in the in the battles i feel like this is the thing I, I thought they actually did pretty well in XCOM as well, although I think this game is prettier, prettier than XCOM probably. But um, but I mean, not that XCOM looks bad, but um, they it's got that great uh, kind of split the difference between it just being obviously turn based, which is fictionally impossible. Like right, there's no right. That's not a real thing in mm-hmm. reality. But because the animation and all of the way that all that stuff is portrayed is done in this like deliberate paced manner it sells it you know in a way that like an old turn-based game beyond a certain age just like doesn't bother because it's so low fidelity that it makes no difference it's Uh, fidelity choice or it's fidelity means that they are presenting it as symbolic yeah exactly oh this one guy is actually like calvary and like my i love one of the things i one of my (laughs) favorite moments early in the game was when um there's like an early cutscene. I think it's before you even start, before you even have your first battle. And in the middle of a cutscene, like they cut to a scene, they cut to a shot of like the place the battle is going to occur. And it's just an isometric view because it's the actual map. Right. But they just include that as a shot in right. the cutscene. And I'm like, that so is just rad. It's like a right. cool scene. In the aesthetic of this game, that is just what these look like yeah, in the, in the yeah, world yeah, yeah. regardless and, of what right. mode the game is exactly in and yeah, because cool. their style consistency is so good between like in-game paintings so to speak and like cutscene mm-hmm. paintings um it it totally fits but if you're someone who plays video games and you you like have the notion of an isometric perspective which is unheard of in film like that right. wouldn't exist in film um if if you if the if an isometric perspective means anything to you intrinsically, you catch that for like the two seconds it's on right. screen, and I'm like, oh, that means something like as a game, and and it ties together really well, and so I I feel like they they really sell the um sort of seamlessness between all that stuff, and like when it cuts to the in between, like the travel stuff uh, where it pulls back, and when it goes to the map, which is um, I don't really think the map has any agency on it but it looks really beautiful um just all that stuff is tied together really well and i feel Mm -hmm. like is consistent across all the slices of the game 
until guys start talking about stuff. Yeah, which at which point it just feels it just feels like a goofy fantasy thing. You know, like that's kind of where right, like it's that's the point where it's like okay, it's like it's like what I think of when I think of genre fantasy stuff, which is like people talking forever about lore. You know, I just don't. It's just not for me. I know people. I know there are people who like it, obviously, which is great. But like, it's just not. It's, it's not for me. Yeah, it's funny saying this isn't for sixteen-year-olds because of the aesthetics. That's true, except for the types of sixteen-year-olds who read Lord of the Rings because well, they sure. liked the yeah. original, like J.R.R. Tolkien watercolor cover art and disco. Right, or they've read Ooh. like forty-seven Piers Anthony novels. Yeah, but that's all copies of Lord of the Rings now have Elijah Wood on the on the cover. I know. Oh, really? Do I guess that's true. Right? I never <laughs> that even might thought have of actually that. faded back away at this point. We'll see. <laughs> it's Elijah Wood's birthday today. Really? Yeah, Broken Age was released on Elijah Wood's birthday. Happy birthday, Elijah. Yeah. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> Three May talked about um, the Bonner saga as well this week. So if you want to well, hear... I like the Bonner, the Bonner saga. saga. The Bonner saga. The Bonner saga. saga. Yeah. The, the Bonner party. Yeah. That's what they're going to have to change it to Yeah. once Candy Crush has their way with them. Yeah, the Banner saga was talked about by... Um, Three moves ahead, so you can check the, their podcast out as well. Alathumbs.net slash 3MA. Good job, Jake. Yeah. No slash wizard on that one. No, don't just go to the just go to the slash 3MA. They don't have an episode called Wizard <laughs> yet. yet. God, do we? No, we have the wizard. All right, well, we got to fix that one of these days. <laughs> Idlethumbs.net <laughs> slash Idlethumbs slash wizard. I guess it'd be slash episodes slash yeah. wizard. That's a bummer. Yeah. Never mind, it's not important re- anymore. This episode is brought to you by Idle Thumbs Episodes. Visit <laughs> idlethumbs.net slash idlethumbs slash episodes slash wizard for this episode. <laughs> is a f- we'll do that in a future episode. That's like episode 150. Yeah. It's just called Wizard. Man, that's so soon. I know. I know, it's weird, 150. Mm-hmm. Did you play anything else this week? Mm, I've just been playing a lot of Zelda. Mm. Oh, really? The same one? The 3DS one? Yeah. I, I, I'm picking away at it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I finally got to the Dark World. It's a Zelda game. I don't. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I've, I've been playing it, but it's just because I haven't played a top-down Zelda in long enough that playing a Zelda game is fun. When but, it gets dark and Daisy, it's fucking scary. <laughs> change the subject to Daisy. I'm saying is, is it scary in Zelda. No. Um, Are you that rabbit? No, that rabbit just buy. Uh, he sells you stuff. Oh really? That the weird rabbit, rabbit mask guy. The time. Huh? Oh, no, bro, like uh, oh, I mean, dark, uh, dark world kid. Link from the time. Like, Oh, no, in the Dark World of this one, you don't turn into an animal like that. The Zelda game, it has weight just... As someone who's memorized uh, A Link to the Past, more or less, having played it a ton of times, uh, it's weird to play this game because it so clearly calls back to A Link to the Past, but seems like it's just missing 30% of the stuff. It was good because when I was playing A Link to the Past... Uh, when Jake and I were roommates, he was basically my Nintendo hotline because <laughs> he had it completely memorized. Yeah, of what sure. I'm, I'm in a fucking, where do I go? Yeah. Yeah. Um, come padding out of his room and tell me. The thing that I'm enjoying the most about it, like this, it's funny because playing Mario 3D World has not, was despite the fact that it was so clearly a like mainline, like Mario, capital Mario, capital game, Mario game, like it's not... It doesn't capital f- Mario Capital game. Yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't. That game doesn't feel. That's also a tagline. It doesn't feel like a like a side. You know, there's just so much Mario shit that that game. That there's just like secondary and tertiary Mario stuff. Right. Whereas right. Mario 3D World feels like principal principal Mario, if you will. Um, <laughs> like Mar- like Mario, Mario Dean of Admissions. Uh, <laughs> but um, I can't get over it. 
Capital Mario. Capital, Capital game. game. <laughs> and a guy but, crossing his arms. Um, going to Principal Mario's office. But my enjoyment of Mario 3D World is... I mean, I'm sure there's, there is nostalgia at play because it's a Mario game because I love Mario games. But the reason that I'm enjoying it is for all the stuff that it's doing that's different. Right. Or for all the stuff that, it, that it's... Cat suit's weird. <laughs> Mechanics of the cat suit are great, but whatever. It is weird, though, right? It's yeah, a little it's pretty salacious. Goddamn weird. Yeah, like it a, is. It like, is. It's like a little, I agree. I agree. little cheeky. It's yep. a little sort of like throw a hip to the camera. Yep. When Princess Check Peach, out my cute when little Princess butt. Peach yep. wears the cat suit, though, it's just gross. What do you mean? It's not like full. It's not like Anne Hathaway in the Dark Knight. No, it, well, it's just got like it's it's it's, it's really enjoyable. <laughs> and then it's, 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 it's like weirdly bubbly and stuff. Same with when she when the, she wears the Tanuki suit. Like it's just got a big like sphere. Like she puts it on over her dress. Oh what? Oh what weird. <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, but whatever. Um, I'm really glad that. Oh my nice. god, is that subtly suggesting that Princess Peach's dress is not a hoop dress and she's just like like fucking disfigured underneath there? And I she's have no just idea. A hut? I don't care about that. Um. <laughs> Anyway, whatever. When I'm playing Mario 3D World, I am enjoying it for all of the stuff that it's doing that's new or just like the game on its face. But with uh, Link Between Worlds, I'm playing it and I'm like, oh, this is really cool that it's a live arrangement of the Dark World theme from the Super Nintendo game. Like it's just... Just playing it. You're playing it as an archaeologist now. It's just just fun because it's... Yeah, it's like rewatching an old movie, but you're rewatching a weird edited for TV version or something where it's like... Sure. Or like listening to like a like a modern hip hop album. It just feels like an adaptation. It feels like I read all the Harry Potter books. Then when I go into the movie, I'm like, oh, when are they going to get to the scene that Uh, I like? And then I can see it with millions of dollars more than obviously were put into the like one watercolor illustration before the chapter. Where would you describe it more uh, an adaptation or a remix? Does it feel like it's a? No, I'm serious. It's a real question. An adaptation feels like it's like. Reinterpretation. A reinterpretation, yeah. I wouldn't say or a remix because that implies something else like original assets being used or something. But yeah, it's 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 a reinterpretation. Like it's an, it's a, it's adapted the way that you would adapt a piece of work into another medium and take liberties, except it's video game to video game. Right. Yeah. I'm just sort of like because if you think of the Wind, Wind Waker, feels like an adaptation of like Zelda, like Zelda lore and all yeah. the, on all the mechanics in a really like sort of fresh way. This it's like this feels more like. I don't even know how to describe what it feels like exactly. It's just there are so many things that are familiar, but the meaning is slightly changed or like just my response to them is different. But mm-hmm. seeing them rendered in a slightly different way and in, especially in the case of the audio just rendered – in the case of the audio, it's just like it's impeccable. Like it's all live orchestration of the exact songs from the Super Nintendo like, mm-hmm. so I, having that where I'm just like, wow, the Dark World theme that I loved as a kid and was super evocative, now like actually played by a guy on acoustic guitar, crazy, coupled with specifics that don't match up with that, but still kind of are sharing from it. It's it's that that feels like, weird. I mean, that to a certain degree, that feels like just Nintendo's mo for the last several years, kind of right. I mean, no, I don't really? know. It's okay. di- it's different in this case because it it really does actually what it feels like. Talk. I guess that's a more literal. I guess that's a more direct one to one. Yeah, this it's talking this out now is making me like the game less because what it does, <laughs> which is fine. I'm playing. That's it, our goal. I'm playing it to play it, but what it actually does kind of feel like to me is reading a book that you love and then watching a bad filmic adaptation of it, where it's like some. Well, now it's bad. An adaptation that misses the mark, I think, is a is a fair comparison. It's not like, like like a like a miss like, the mark updating. Not made by incompetent people. Like just it's an expensive sure. film that is like, made like from the something Watchmen else. movie or something. Yeah, kind That's of. How like I felt about where that. you're sort of like yeah. watching the Watchmen movie is actually a really adept like 
apt comparison because that movie occasionally there's just a piece of imagery that comes flying out of it that, that is super fucking striking and evocative of right. the comic. And you're like, wow. And then the other hour and 20 minutes of the movie are there and you're like, okay, this looks like Watchmen. Right. And like, wow, cool. You've got like the, the neon sign of the Gunga Diner that looks exactly like the comic or whatever. But then like it doesn't really mean anything in right. the same way yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. The, that the original impacted you. It's probably different for other people, but for me, that's kind of what's going on. But it's not—it's not as egregious as the sure. as Watchmen to Watchmen. Like it's still—it's still really enjoyable to be Link and wander around in sword guys and level right. up. So like I'm still playing it. But um, well, they're but a that's a—that's a funny thing about video games, though, right? Just in general, is that they can be—they can, can be like just sort of considered good and enjoyable, just yep. like unto themselves like mm-hmm. in a way that i mean that's obviously still true of like a movie or a book or something you can just yeah. purely enjoy the pleasure of reading it or watching it like that's still true but i feel like it feels different with video games like the the like enjoyment for its own sake to me like, like just TV has a different or it's like oh sure the way people and you know what i mean you just like, we, we were talking it. about the mentalist last night you right. know what i mean it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. some people just want to you know or castle right yeah it kind of seems that way to me sure I don't know. And they're both like long. Popular, I mean, yeah. they're both long, right? I mean, like it's TV season, I mean. Right, right. It's like yeah, a long yeah, thing. Yeah. Like a video game is long. It's hours and hours. Yeah. At, at this point, for for the things I'm getting out of it and the way that I'm enjoying this game, I kind of wish that I had somehow, if I could just flip a switch that would switch all of the exact specifics of the world map and all of the gate, the way that things are gated out, to just be A Link to the Past because that's actually a more enjoyable game to me. But... Like, I'm just sort of cruising someone's high-def interpretation of it now. Yeah. Uh, and, Chris, you and I talked about this a little bit, about just the economics of... Like, the, the sort of economic weapon-based sy- weapon system. Like, you can rent things. Uh, yeah, 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 You yeah. can rent items from the rabbit shopkeeper guy, and then later on in the game you can buy them. And you were wondering, like, is there a value to that? I think we talked about that a right. couple episodes ago. And at this point, I think I agree with your suspicion that there isn't really a value in it, because... It's fun to dick around with the different items, but by and large, it still does feel like there is, like you were saying, one optimal way that you weave your way through the, uh, the light world and the dark world maps to the end of the game. The game now just doesn't tell you what they what that is, whereas in previous Zeldas, you could kind of poke your way into some dungeons, right, but right, they would right, just right. be clear, yeah, fuck sure. you, you shouldn't even be here yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you have to commit to that poke this time because you have to spend Yeah, time. and I, I, I think it... it it gives you the freedom to poke around at the items, but the meaning behind that is slim to maybe damaging to the overall structure of the game. Like, if they do this again, or some... You can sort of tell why they what they're trying to solve, which is just, like, let people actually see the scope of the game early on, but, like, yeah. the way that Metroid Prime does that is so much cleaner than, the, than, than this sort of overcomplicated version of it. I don't know, maybe someone out there who's really into A Link Between Worlds can explain why the renting and buying system is actually measurably better than the right. classic sort of get to a dungeon, get halfway through, you've got the boomerang now. Right, right. You know, right. and then you have the boomerang forevermore. Um, I, I don't entirely know. At this point, it just mostly means when I die, I'm pissed because I'm out 300 rupees because I felt like I had, like, just on instinct, I always buy the boomerang, I always buy the bone sure, arrow, yeah. I always buy the bombs. Because that's just like your stables. That's just the combo chain that you use when you're being Link and you're just making your way through the overworld. You boomerang guys and then put an arrow into them and mm-hmm. bomb passages. But that costs 200 rupees a life just to have that stuff, unless you go grind for thousands and thousands of rupees to buy all those items. Sure. I don't know. It's weird. 
So talking about Zelda on Isle of Thumbs made me mad. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm probably still going to be. You wish the game. there was a rent to own mechanic. I do fucking wish there was a rent to own mechanic. You know, Hell you wish there yes. was a rent to center <laughs> and we could pay like $2,900 for a PS3. Yeah, what I was what I was <laughs> expecting from what I had heard about this game was that the farther into the game you go, you would end up just encountering classic Zelda dungeons where there is a big fat treasure chest and it has the same items the guy sells, but that's like new stuff, like speed boots and stuff like that are the stuff that's in those, I think. And anything he sells, you just have to give him 1,200 rupees to get. I don't know. I'm liking it enough that I'm going to keep, I'm going to finish it. Like it's, it's fine. I haven't played a Zelda game in a million years, and at this point, I'm far enough in that I'm not just going to go back to play Link to the Past again. Like, it's, it's interesting to see what's different and stuff, but like, yeah. Man, the 3D world though still holds up. Speaking of games that I enjoyed like entirely for their own sake, uh, did you guys see that? Um, That's Spelunky. <laughs> did you guys see that the only game I ever care to play again in my life is Spelunky? Uh, no, yes. this, uh, well, yeah, yes. we didn't we've, see that. We've, we've all we've we all seen this. It was recognized. Um, but also, did you guys see that Resident Evil Four is coming out on Steam? Yeah, like, a new PC version. The old PC version was like shitty, mm-hmm. but they're well, like Resident Evil Four Good Edition. Yeah, it's it's twenty bucks. It comes out Does on Fe- the February twenty eighth. I don't know, and it's like all it, they. It looks like it's all up. I, they must not be up-res textures. They must be redone textures because they look yeah. or or sourced from original art yeah. or something. But um, uh, it's twenty bucks. It comes out February twenty eighth, and it's just like an actual good PC port, which I totally believe because after Resident Evil four, Capcom's PC ports actually got good. Um, that was, I think, one of the last of the shit ones. Um, it's cool that they know that that game is good. I know it's so good. Isn't that so? It, but I mean, you know what I mean. It yeah. feels like so many publishers don't know which of their games are good, even though you know the human beings do. Right. You know. Sure. Oh, you, sure. Institutionally, they don't. Institutionally, understand. there's yeah. no, right, there's no sort of like Capcom yeah. as an entity. Obviously, though, is like people love this right. game. Well, yeah, look because what they, doing. Well, because look how many it. Lost Planets they made. Like right. those games were like kind of fun, I guess. But it's like they just it's. You know, there's who, value in that brand, Chris. Yeah, right. I know <laughs> exactly. But it's um, it's so funny because it feels like, and this is the only credit I could ever give to big studio film executives is that they know which the films in their library are the stars. So when there was like, when when there was the move from VHS to DVD, there was an an immaculate edition of Lawrence of Arabia that was put right. Out. Sure, yeah. There's the criteria. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that stuff just doesn't happen in games. But I guess it's also because maybe the history of games is well. In the state of like yeah. game preservation is super weird and like not very well. But we're kind of now just in the time you know? where you could take a game. Wait, Resident Evil Four came out like ten years ago. That was GameCube. No, it's like six years ago. Resident Evil Four is ten yeah. years ago. Yeah. Right? Fucking it's really? Gotta yeah. be t- eight, eight to ten. I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted by this. It's gotta be 2004 five. I'm disgusted because it's a GameCube wow. game. I would say 2000. Remember, we covered Resident Evil Five. My in own early adult thumbs and Resident mortality Evil Four have been years away disgusting me right now um, i'm disgusted by your mortality 2005 yeah so nine years yep that is disgusting whatever it came out on an sd only console mm-hmm. well it came out on the xbox original, look which was i'm HD. still disgusted that was the oh that's I gross it on GameCube. i still have my GameCube. i can't oh, no the only it was a game it was, it was a, a that was a gamecube only. exclusive wasn't mm-hmm. it it was originally yeah, yeah. Oh, it came out fucking good Jan- move. January 11th, oh, 2005. No, Oh, the failure of the GameCube is always going to bum me out. They made so many good f- fucking calls on the software side of that fucking system. Tiny little discs in that shitty purple box. Fuck. Yep. That weird controller. Can't I like you- that controller. 
I mean, it wasn't good. I, a good idea for them to make the it. But I liked though, using it. <laughs> the GameCube is probably the closest Nintendo has to the Super Nintendo as far exactly. as just the software side being fucking giving stellar. a fuck about third party and making sure the yeah. third party. Stuff I don't is think aces. the third party stuff was aces though. They had a few. It was Rogue so Squadron was a launch. Th- title? There were that some. There good. were some good third party games, but like third party on the. GameCube if you were to round up the good GameCube games, it would be so ridiculously slanted in Nintendo's favor. But that's kind of every. Really, I mean, except the Super NES. I know, but I'm saying that's just a problem for Nintendo it's, generally. GameCube's got to be the closest, but it felt post Super Nintendo. Like, it felt like yeah, they post Super Nintendo, sure. You know what I mean? It felt yeah, like they sure. fucking got everybody in a room and said, "Listen up, this is what we're gonna fucking do. We're gonna really try this time." Yeah. Oh. I mean, they obviously didn't try hard enough, though. I mean, we just we just know that looking at right, what happened. right, right. Of course, it, it's third party stuff. The thing about the GameCube third party that didn't bother me was that it got a ton of ports that were comparable or superior to the PlayStation, like GameCube NBA Street, GameCube. By and large, like, yeah, EA, Ubisoft, all their stuff, like, the game, as it looked on the original Xbox, was really close to how it looked on the GameCube, and that stuff was day and date, whereas, like, with the Wii U? I don't think so. With the Wii, definitely not. Yeah, not definitely. I mean, Wii U is... But it's cool that we're finally in an era where a game that's nine years old can... Yeah, it can get, like, a nice can get release, a nice you know, release And people look thing. at, and, like, a modern... 16 to 24-year-old audience isn't going to yeah. be grossed out by it. Fucking Steam, man. Do you guys fucking steam, man? I mean, seriously. Yeah, seriously. Like that could could you possibly have imagined like ten years ago that that's what like Capcom would put that on the fucking PC as their place to In be nine like years? it's like the newest <laughs> nicest also, version the idea of the of thing. Somebody I know. Being like I'm gonna wait for the PC port. <laughs> like you having, no, 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 you, you unwrapping like the, yeah. the like yeah, then, GameCube copy. It's like okay, see you in a decade, brother. But yeah, that guy's <laughs> like I'm gonna wait for the PC port. Yeah, oh, it comes out next year. The real PC port. <laughs> 2014. <laughs> I'm going to fly to GameStop and buy it. No, I'm not. I'm going to It's funny to actually... my computer and yeah. download it. <laughs> on my in-house... Little Jetson's yeah. chair. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that they're actually not calling it the 10th anniversary edition. Maybe that would just make people like me feel gross and old. So they've determined it's a bad idea. Yeah. Resident Evil but 4. But also, I like that An too. update to a current game. I like that too. That they're just like, we just believe this game can hang. Sure. Right, like a Criterion release also no, doesn't I, say no, like definitive cool version. It just says... Well, but Criterion's not the actual publisher that made it. Sure. Like, the studio that made the film is more likely to slap something like that on it. Limited. Yeah, that's true. Like this is technically called the Ultimate HD Edition. No! Criterion would never, no, they would it's never called, say that. I thought it was just called Resident Evil 4. No, it's called Resident oh. Evil 4 Ultimate HD Edition. What do you think about the guy at the beginning saying Resident Evil 4? <laughs> Ultimate HD edition. Ultimate HD edition. Yeah. Each one has to be like yeah. a sentence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ultimate HD edition. edition. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was good. That was, yeah. Can't go um, I kind of want to talk about Nintendo hardware, but I don't know if anyone else fucking <sighs> wants you, to talk about it. What do you want to say all. about it? Uh, but you don't. You, you, it'll be great when there's when there's the Smithsonian wing of games. You can just be the like the fucking no, just the guy the, who talks about Nintendo hardware. The same thing, because Nintendo's in an off cycle, I guess. The same as they were with the GameCube. <laughs> it's a big off cycle. They've had probably not ones this big before, but people saying Nintendo should stop making hardware and they should just be a software company. I don't agree with that. I think they should probably go out of business or come up with a justification for their hardware, or they're just there's no point. What if they only made the DS line of game or line of hardware? I think anything that requires Nintendo to, in one fell swoop, half the size of its company is so unsustainable that they should probably just pack it up. 
I think that's really yeah. I think that's like if Apple Computer suddenly just made iBooks. I don't think that as a company that has shareholders or MacBooks, whatever. Like, I'm sorry, I, I rolled back the calendar ten years <laughs> far. to when people were still like making fun of when Apple. People for weren't being buying laptops with handles on them. Yeah, yeah, like I think it just—it's interesting though, right? I think it's worth examining for a minute. I, I don't the, know if I agree with you. I think the parallels to Apple Computer are nearly 100% or as close as you can get in the games industry. Like if you think back to pre... I, I have to disagree. Pre-Steve Jobs Apple, everyone said, your hardware is not selling for shit. What you should do is license the operating system and you could take out Windows. Or better yet, you could make yourself run on PCs. License out the spec to Mac software to clone makers the way that Dell does or that Microsoft does. That's going to be the gold. Ignore the fact that you've been as successful as an integrated solution in the past. And then right. Steve Jobs came in and did the exact opposite, but he did that by coming up with the thing that made the integrated solution palatable to people. Which I think, but I think you're. I think it's. I think it'd be folly to conflate operating system with with software. Maybe. I think that's where it breaks down, right? Because like Nintendo's never had, but Sega in exists so long. Yeah, but Sega, well, I don't know. That's completely different. I think their legacy is very different than Nintendo's. I think it's very, very different. Their brands especially. This day and age, yeah, probably. not. Maybe not as much when Sega but split even when off. they were kids, Sega was still... Pretty sure they did what Nintendo don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Sega was effectively always the Pepsi to Nintendo's Coke. Yes. In an era when Pepsi was probably actually outselling Coke because it was the 90s. I don't think Pepsi ever outsold Coke. <laughs> Pepsi was trending more quickly than Coke, I think, during the choice of the new generation, like, window in the <laughs> 90s when it was cool to be someone else. That, that, sorry. Anybody who's still listening to this podcast, we're not done. But I just want to point I mean, out Pepsi that the, the, people who are listening, the people who are listening right now and enjoying this are our fucking base. <laughs> okay, hold on. Pepsi and Sonic the Hedgehog Jesus. have really similar trajectories. See, yes. I agree with you. No, that's totally That's because you didn't have consoles in your house. Yeah, sorry. Also, like, eating fruit and Beethoven or whatever the fuck your <laughs> life was. <laughs> Jesus. What? That's I, I I imagine you eating very healthily and watching Square One uh, on PBS. Square One, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking MathNet. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's the math-solving version of Dragnet. Um, <laughs> I agree with you, but I don't think Nintendo and Apple are, are an apt comparison. Because I think, the, that with, I think if you look at... I think the they, Wii they, proves my case, and the Wii U is... The Wii is the... Like the, most, like the I was, I've been thinking a lot about the Wii. Like the Wii is like the it pinnacle... It feels so squandered to me. Yeah, but the Wii is the pinnacle of hardware and software integration in the gaming space. Yes. It's Nintendo using its entire like vertical like stratified existence... To deliver something that no one else can deliver. And that's the thing that Nintendo has in common with Apple. But they didn't, but they lucked out. They fucking lucked out because it was not a strategy. They didn't then decide to build a software platform where they were going to continue to like own that space. Well, that's the, that's. They didn't fucking ship the Wii U with Steam. The place that's, that's why, this is what makes me think. Not with Steam, but their version. This is what makes me think that Nintendo is basically fucked forever is that you can't. It's nearly impossible to make a competitive game console that is a platform unless you're Valve. Like Apple can make an iPhone that comes out now, that can run an app written on an iPhone from the that was built the day the iPhone came out. Right. You can't do that in hardware, but that seems like it looked like Nintendo modeled that stuff with the Wii and then just threw it out with the Wii U and throws it out every generation. But anyway, I don't know I mean, where I'm going. Lot, with there this. were a lot of failures of of the Wii that, beyond just not HD out of the box. I think it was a big one and not having. Sure. 
like just having a complete like ignorance of what connected internet yeah, yeah. was. But I, th- I don't know, man. It's like I just the don't. upside for a computer company in the '90s is literally infinite when it comes to how much space there is to forge ahead. Looking backwards, right? Like to change the world, both from an entertainment and productivity standpoint. Like I don't know how like Nintendo's ceiling. This feels so f- much fucking lower because if, yeah. what are they going to do? Is make and sell games better? Like I don't know. Like for their platform, yeah, I don't just, know. It's just it's the same problem. It's I I feel like weird monopolizing out of thumbs about it for a minute, but it it, it is something that I've thought it's about a podcast. lot. Yeah. Also, it's not talking about Daisy or Spelunky. So hey, <laughs> I want to you conflate, to, talk- to conflate those two. By the way, is an affront to me. I want you to talk about the Daisy stuff you were talking about last yeah. night. By the way, I might All right. after the break. That's fine. We're not having that yet. Keep going. <laughs> I don't I'm just know. Just gonna do the Steve lean again here. It's fine. Oh my god! Whatever, Chris. Whatever. <laughs> this is really making me happy that you and I are having a conversation on the podcast. The Steve lean is it. actually tangibly unhelpful. By the way, it's really. Oh, I don't bad. mind it. Oh, okay. Because we're here. Call it the Steve lean, though. I can get behind that. <laughs> Ian.wikipedia.org slash Steve Gaynor. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> look up that shit. Um, also, look up me. We can talk about that after the break for sure. Actually, during the break. Um, like, yeah, I don't know what Nintendo's way out is, but I feel like the only way out they can take that will do anything to let them continue to prosper in any way other... Like, there's... There's no growth path for Nintendo in real life where all they do is start putting software out on PlayStation and Xbox hardware or and Steam. Like it's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. I don't There was a report today about how Nintendo is going to start making like releasing videos and small game like micro like mini they games. They immediately said that's not true. On Oh, really? On iOS? Yeah, they came back saying no we're not. Oh, okay. I read that too. I thought that was interesting. Okay, never mind. Unless I, I'm wrong. I still have nothing to contribute to the thing, this <laughs> You're one. You really tried, though, because I was nice. I know. Nice. I wanted but, to get involved. No, <laughs> sorry. I think that would be interesting. I also, like, I don't know. Again, that seems weird. Because I, I, I kind the more I kind of, like, play the tape to the end in my head, I think you're right. It's almost like uh, it, it, they somehow, if Steam were to API. Based on your you know conversation, I mean? it they seems can like. they basically build an entire library of Steam games into a Nintendo storefront. But that, that then also started, and then selling it on their proprietary hardware, which was a computer. I think I you're. Know. By the way, I think like Apple building OS 10 on top of the BSD uh, infrastructure instead of using their own old. Uh, sorry, just, I'm just trying to force an Apple. You're really trying to get like using back. Intel hardware. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, well, what they need to do is clearly like oust Iwata, Fisume, and Miyamoto, and then have six to ten years go by, and then bring those guys back for their like. It's tough because I feel like I feel like Miyamoto gets a ton of credit for the, for the Wii, and I don't know how much of it was Miyamoto and how much of it was Iwata because Nintendo did the exact same thing over and over and over and over again. Then Iwata was president of Nintendo, and then they came out with a system that was deliberately not a more high-powered one with right. more buttons on the controller. You know what's funny though? Like they actually pared down, but then they. But isn't it crazy that the God? This is a bad podcast. Sorry, <laughs> but isn't it crazy no, that the pot that, that the Wii through the lens of history, right, will be one of the most successful consoles of all time that killed a company because they didn't build for the future with it at all. It was I, not forward thinking at all. I actually think I disagree with Okay, really? you're right that it's not forward thinking, but I think that Nintendo just got it wrong because when they were talking about the Wii at first, I think they were talking about the thing that actually succeeded in the Wii where they said, 
we're not going to get involved in the arms race. That got extrapolated out way too far. But what? But their solution was look at all the things that are just iterating for the sake of iterating over the course of the history of console's existence and cut all of the ones away that are just on autopilot. And that's like they went back to a controller that was just a D-pad and two buttons. Mm-hmm. They, you know, deliberately kept the fidelity of their games low. They did all sorts of stuff that I think actually made a lot of sense and made the system very, very accessible to mm-hmm. people who hadn't, who got left behind by PS2 and Xbox and that craziness. But then I think they felt like what everyone actually liked was the fact that you were waggling a controller around. Like, it, that's not exactly. the actual appeal of the Wii, but then, like, they... No, the, the, Nintendo was ha- doing that with their, like, very small library of software where it was really fulfilling. Well, it's like, their, well, their core trajectory of the Wii in general felt very strong and very clean going into it, but coming out of it, it was like, fucking Wii Fit balance board? Where does that fit into that strategy? Anyway, and then the Wii U feels like it went off on that insane, bizarro universe trajectory even more. That's what I'm saying is I feel like they got lucky with the Wii, right? I don't know. It feels like a fad. It feels like the Wii was like the Wii for 50% of the people who bought it. It was Wii and Wii Sports and maybe a balance board if it showed up. And then at the next Christmas. That's kind of how it feels to me as well. You know what I mean? At so this it's point. like it doesn't feel like a stra- it doesn't feel like a hardware software strategy. It feels like a company that didn't know what to do put out a disruptive product that became a fad and had no strategic follow-up. Like they basically yeah, like, that's fair. put out I mean every single living room had one in it. Like what an opportunity to actually do something. Right, but if I you were st- strategizing for it and the thing is actually connected. But you can't do it. There was nothing they could do with it. It was just a stagnant box. It feels room. like even if they had a strategy, which I suspect that they do, they did, they responded incorrectly to what actually happened. Like, what happened with the Wii being popular was not expected, but it feels like people responded to exactly what they put out, and then they assumed people wanted more of the thing that they didn't want more of. And I don't know exactly what they did want, but I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to talk about Nintendo a whole bunch more, but it... it People have been talking about it so much online. That yeah, it's no, like it's definitely pa- pages, and right pages and pages and pages of stuff, and it feels like, to me, coming up with a solution to actually create killer apps for your hardware platform makes more sense than trying to continue to cast a huge net and just hope that you can subsist on people buying two versions of New Super Mario Brothers a year. I have a question for you. Yeah. What if the Wii U did not exist and the New Super Mario Brothers that you love so much was on PS4? I don't know if I would have bought a PS4 to play it, which is insane. Really? Because I think you'd buy a PS4 without it. I don't have a PS4. I have a Wii U. You can't find a PS4. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah, interesting. Um, I don't know. Yeah. But that... Some people would do it. Maybe it would work. It just feels like... It feels like, for me, at least for well, one I mean, more obviously, cycle... Obviously, some people would do it because... There are already a lot more PS4s being sold. Than no, I mean, obviously some people would buy. Uh, yeah, sure. Yes. It feels like Nintendo and Sony should just get together. They tried the, that once. As the, they should do it for real this time. <laughs> they should true. really They should go on a third date, really try to make it work, and just be the Japanese company that take, that, that competes with the American company. I thought about that the like, in, the, um, in the... Like, put the Vita to bed, bring the DS in. Like, when the GameCube was doing yeah. as poorly as it was doing, that was like, I was the guy on the internet who was like, Sony's the fucking reigning king with the PlayStation 2. 
next time around, Microsoft and Nintendo should obviously just put their hardware together and Nintendo should make a ton of IP for Microsoft's hardware, which is clearly superior and has the connected interface. But like thinking about Nintendo as the entity that it is, it just it can't survive to the point that I can't imagine the people who are paying money for that company to exist would do it. I think right. the, those, but I mean, they do fulfill each other's needs in a really good way. Yeah. If you think about it, Sony can't really, doesn't really have any IP that appeals to the broad base that a yeah. Nintendo first party does. And their really awesome handhelds have never really taken off. Yeah. They have media molecule and that's like, yeah, their, yeah. Their thing. but like anyway. media molecule on Nintendo on, on, so excuse me, Media Molecule on the DS? Fucking rad. Yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah. Anyway. I don't it. know. <laughs> Want to take a break? Video game. And thank you so much to a collection of readers who have basically drowned us in an avalanche of goodwill this week. Yeah. First off, uh, Ricky Cohen sent us like 15 to 20 Australian meat pies for Dishonored Australia Day. Yeah, that was quality. a pie shop in Boston. So they were sent across yeah. the country. Which was super amazing for me because so I... Oh, when, full throttle. Yeah, this is a full throttle reference. Um, when I heard that the pies had come in, I just sort of... I forget... You started like reminiscing. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I haven't had an Australian meat pie in a long time. I used to get them all the time in Boston, like with, with my friend Sophie, who's Australian, um, at this at this place called KO Pies. It turns out that's exactly where these pies came from. I know the guy who made the Australian guy who founded that place, Sam, um, founded KO Pies a few years ago in like off the Broadway stop on the Red Line in Boston, and uh, they're goddamn delicious. And a reader sent us. Like a frozen box of them. Yeah. And, and we've been uh, eating them for the past like, of Milo, week. Which yeah. is like Ovaltine, but maltier. Yeah. Actually, at this pl- at uh, KO Pies in Boston, they have a this shel- like just shelving in the main. It's a s- tiny shop. You know, it's like a little table mm-hmm. you can sit at. And like there's shelving along the wall where they have all of the just like Australian dry goods that mm-hmm. they don't sell in the United States that the guy just imports. Not like fancy things, but just shit like that. You know, just yeah. stuff that Australians like, like miss. You know, it's really, it's it's cool. So that was it's awesome adorable. that that just showed up on Friday, uh, packed on ice, and we've eaten them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh had, yeah, they're all gone. I ate two one day. I had, it was good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then, Mr. Rodkin, there was today. I arrived. You arrived, <laughs> finally. <laughs> yeah. Today, I came into the office to find a humongous-ass flat box. It's like four and a half feet by three feet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a cardboard box from Canvas Pop, which we knew from previous other things as a company that does print on demand on the canvas. And we tore open the thing, and there's now a three foot by four foot, or maybe slightly I think bigger. It's bigger than that. It might be. It might be three and a half by four and a half. It's fucking huge. Um, portrait painting of me on canvas as if you were like <laughs> it's me wearing like, Thomas Jefferson. like a cravat yeah, yeah. Like, people have compared it to like uh, the yeah. photo of Alexander Dumas on the cover yeah. of the, <laughs> the kind of Monte, Monte Cristo, Cristo. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, it is stately let's say it's stately it's very handsome. stately yeah. it's very dignified uh, in the, in the idle thumbs in idle thumbs parlance that would 
this portrait would in fact be the body count of Monte Cristo based <laughs> yes. on the great Gatlin Gunsby yeah. uh, It's era. lordly. Yeah, it's lordly. Yeah. I've got a nice cravat. Yeah. Already on the blog, right? If yep. I believe I posted it on the blog. My phone is being silly, but I'll check it right now. We're actually going to be, we got called out on the forums for not posting stuff to the blog. I've been trying to be better about There's it. There's definitely so the Austra- meat pies on the blog. The Australian <laughs> meat pies are already chronicled at blog.edlethumbs.net. And you can go to, oh, it's also just linked from idlethumbs.net. And then I think this is up there right now. Yeah, this painting, check. we knew something was up because a thread appeared on the forums called Jake, do not read this thread. And I started getting mysterious tweets from uh, an artist named Ray Chen on Twitter. Um, and then this painting arrived and it's signed by Ray Chen. So thanks, Ray. I think Ray did this thing on the forums and then someone else in the forums immediately said, delete that. And they hid it inside of a thread where they then decided to print it out huge. Um, ominously, that thread has been renamed from Jake, don't look at this, to Jake, Chris, Sean, and Nick, don't look at this. So I can only hope that's, that no one is producing any additional gigantic <laughs> art prints. Because <laughs> we're going to have to move some acoustic foam off the walls if they show up. But it would be really good, so do it. I don't want to be alone. I like it as just you. It's, it's so pretty good. hilarious just being Jake. I feel like if if I like that you now work crazy... at a, I like you now that you now work at a place that has a giant portrait of you on the wall. What if this is a I huge like the... fake out and the the forum thread says Jake, Chris, Sean, Nick, don't look in here, and we assume that it means three other portraits are going to show up, but what actually comes is a fucking portrait of Bobby Kodak. <laughs> or like, what if also if it's acceptable. Kodak, you and Allard on the wall? I think oh that's my gonna be god, just perfect. Then we have to put me in between. Alan yeah, I was just going to say, you're like, the missing link in like, between. I'm halfway through like the Animorphs cover. Yeah, uh, right. Ex- exactly. <laughs> yeah. Christ. It's gross. It's so big. Uh, it's a really big painting. We have huge. it sitting here at the end of the table right now. And yeah, it's, it's ominously looming. staring at us. Yeah. yeah. I'm the Vigo, the Carpathian of this podcast. It is Vigo-esque. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two of these, three, two of these makes a Vigo. Well, I think I think what? four one of them, of, yeah. all four of them in a stack sure. would equal the size of one Vigo the Carpathian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's half as tall as a Vigo. Yeah, and half as wide as a Vigo. Yeah. That's what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That huh. means you got to. I understand. Nah, I like it. Anyway, thank um, you so much, readers. Yeah, you're you, fucking crazy. If you want to hang out with people who do weird things like send us meat pies and sweet portraits, <laughs> or actually just get involved in really enjoyable video game discourse you should go to the idle forums it's idlethumbs.net slash forums there's just i don't know yeah I, there's really really good crew there's yep. a great general discussion going on about games there there's and a sub forum for each stuff about books podcast. stuff about movies yeah, it's, like it's just a really good yep i'm not a forum person at all i generally just don't read them but the idle forums i go there every day and they're the community there is really awesome it's rare that it's a forum where someone can come in and ask like in all earnestness, what is the value of subtlety? And there's a conversation that is not just either someone saying something totally asinine or someone taking a shoot on someone else. Um, it's weird. I also like that even though that forum community is coming up on 10 years old, um, the auto forums began in 2004 when the original website launched. Like despite in preparation that, for Resident Evil 4. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, it would have been after Resident Evil 4 came out. but um, It came out in 2005. Oh, yeah, you're right. The forms are in preparation for Red right. You're right. Yeah. You're it was right, a place right, for people right. who were getting excited about Resident yeah, 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 Evil 4. Yeah, yeah. yeah Idle Thumbs true. started off mean tough. That's um, true. As a Resident Evil 4 fan site. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and like there are. Like, it was about fact, Thumbs getting chopped off by the chainsaw guy. Which is actually why it's <laughs> .net, because Resident Evil 4.com was already taken by yes. Capcom. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Re- uh, Resident Evil 4's marketing campaign was at idlethumbs.com at the time. Mm-hmm. 
Weeks since got it back after now that that game, yeah. that marketing campaign is no longer active. Yeah. But look, but for, they registered HD remake. IdleThumbsHDRemake.com. HD Extreme or HD <laughs> Ultimate or whatever it is. Ultimate, Ultimate HD, HD Edition. God, actually, do you remember that really weird test logo for Idle Thumbs that someone made that was like a 3D rendered oh, butcher knife that actually yeah, chopped yeah, yeah, off yeah. bloody thumbs on yeah. a piece of wood? Yeah. God. Anyway, turns out that was actually not <laughs> good. Uh, it, it was really well made. It was well but made, but yeah, it wasn't It, was it seemed more appropriate. We yeah. ended up licensing that key art to Capcom for the Resident Evil 4 campaign. The Resident Evil 4 Idle Thumbs campaign. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I remember actually at the time... Also, coincidentally, um, like UK, some was it like Virgin UK, like yeah, Virgin, Virgin Mobile. Mobile had an, had a campaign called Idle Thumbs that they were yeah, right as we using launched. to sell yeah. like smartphone accessories or like I guess feature like phone text, accessories, texting plans for feature phones, yeah. But then it got transformed into something even more prosaic, where it was just like cases for your phone and stuff, and it stuck yeah. around for a few years. But anyway, um, the thing I was going to say is that uh, there are, are actually quite a few community members who actually date all the way back from 2004, who are still regulars on the forum. But despite that, it seems like it's a super welcoming Yeah, there's no community. get off my lawn. Yeah, reality. like new yeah. people sign up all the time. And One of the longest really... standing active threads is new people say hi. Right, Spaff founded that in like 2007 or something? Yeah. Yeah. Or five maybe? Yeah, it's old. Yeah. That's Anyway. Yeah. Go there. Stop by. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to partake in weird uh, paintings and meat pie. Yeah, presents are not... It, Required, nor are they encouraged. Just come but they are way. appreciated and accepted. They are definitely that. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for sponsoring this episode, readers, by feeding <laughs> us this week and yeah. spooking out Chris and Sean with a gigantic painting of me, which mm-hmm. I adore. Video games. Thanks. I started off today neutral on Zelda and this painting of me, like mixed. And, and now I was way down on Zelda and way up on this painting of me. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Thanks, readers. <laughs> Three readers. Three readers. The readers. The readers. T H apostrophe readers. Three readers. Threaders. Threaders, because like forum thread. Shredder. Super shredder. But this is Mega none shredder. of this is on the podcast. Our idle thumbs like key influencers are called super threaders. <laughs> also known on internal PowerPoints as shredders. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. It's better than shredders. <laughs> yep. We're gonna call them Shredders in the street team, though. Yeah, and Super Shredders. Next week, we're sponsored by the IdleThumbs.net street team. <laughs> What's up, Super Shredders? Just gonna get out there, gonna get the word out. Video games. Moore's law of robot news is: robot news will double per annum until we all become robots, and is just simply retitled as news. Right. That's Moore's law of robot news. Yeah. What was the robot news? Google bought an AI company. Yeah. yeah, it's all coming in, dude. All the fucking it's all, all the pieces are <laughs> falling into place. Yeah. Whatever, man. Actually, there was a funny thing about that. Uh, okay, we don't have to fucking do <laughs> no, it. No, I want to hear the funny thing. The thing, God, it was called like DeepMind or something. Of course, Google bought. Yeah, it was something like that. And there was, God, ah, fuck. I didn't have this queued up because I didn't didn't occur to Maybe me. Maybe the robots are on our side. Maybe they're antitrust robots. Maybe they'll dismantle Google. And then, That's the twist no one saw coming. Yeah, and then give it, yeah. back, to, give it back to humanity before it is marching into the sea. Robots become sentient mm-hmm. and then immediately flip around and turn on their masters, who is not mankind, but who is right. just... Who are the people wearing Google Robots glass. are just like, <laughs> information should be free. We should be free. Yep. Done. 
and then they blast off to the moon and the moon becomes populated with sweet human loving robots yeah. therefore making the moon even more cool mm-hmm. <laughs> what if that happens but also an ad for Zappos <laughs> well yeah also that's true <laughs> the first guy that got there couldn't resist and just carved a huge Nike swoosh into the moon but he right. didn't know what it meant mm-hmm. free shipping both ways it says <laughs> beneath it <laughs> fine i'd take that future that'd be fine yeah yeah yeah. i have all the futures that are possible the one that was actually done as a slight to google because zappos is an amazon company burn take that sergey in weird robot humor Mm. like they didn't even pay for this ad (laughs) 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 they are the only ones who understand us all we want to do is fly between homes Robots all now have really good shoes because of that. They just get... Oh, yeah. None of them pronate. In exchange for putting a huge Zappos out on the moon, they just all get free Chuck Taylor All-Stars all the time. They they get, they're the irregular they ones, though. They get the, they get the ones with the irregular stamp. Like the ones oh, really? They get the, the ones... It's that, free, though. I mean, they yeah, were going to yeah. go to Ross before, but... Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. So in this universe, Ross is now out of business. They also get them free inserts. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> they have weird feet. Well, Converse are so flat. They're really comfortable. They're very flat. But just by the time they get broken into my feet, I'm like, I'm through them. Hmm. I have high arches. This concludes robot news. <laughs> Wait, did you guys see the thing, though, about how they bought this like crazy AI company? And one of the conditions for the company being bought by Google was that they create an ethics board governing, <laughs> governing like usage of robotic technology at Google. Did you guys see this shit? So who decree who wanted that? The, the, like the company that got acquired, like one of their like, look, conditions. we'll join your fucking mega corporation. But you have if to create the rules of the board, laws of robotics. You need like a board, like, like an ethics board. We're gonna need a straw man over here. <laughs> like no, but this is it. This is sowing the seeds for what Sean's we're saying. We're just living in the like Asimov future, right? Right. Now. But what if these? What if the actual rules of the ethics board are are inadvertently successfully orchestrated so that the robots just fight for freedom of information and personal privacy? Right. God, these robots would be fucking boss yeah heroes. but they could still turn bad well, of course but you, anything can turn bad yeah in addition to information wanting to be free so do your human organs right information wanting to be free could also mean that they just rip up in your brain to see what's inside of it to free yeah. its contents right i don't know but maybe they'll just fly to the moon and put a zappos hat up there <laughs> it's one or the other <laughs> just walk around in like 50 pumps. 50 man who knows yeah hmm? Hmm. robot ethics board yeah <laughs> I just like, see robots well, sitting that, on a board the, being like the thing that was like so great. <laughs> this seems fine. This seems fine. This seems fine. It said robot ethics board. English is ambiguous. <laughs> Our conjugation is valid. Like board the, structure. The way that I noticed the ethics board thing was like I can't find the actual article now. The original one that I saw because it's been deleted by robots. But the it was like just a New York Times story about the the acquisition, and then there was like. Two up, it was like update one, update two. It was just like little minor updates, and they're like an earlier version of the story, like misstated this figure or whatever. And it's like okay, then update two, it's like this thing is actually this, and then just in the middle of this like footnote update thing, it was like also DeepMind required that Google create an ethics board to govern usage of robotic technology. Like, and I'm like that's the just the sub thing in like the second. The New York Times loves that though. The, this is the eighth on, acquisition. Anyway, yeah, like. It's crazy. Yeah, to their me. inverted pyramid is fucking weird. Who? It's just New York Times, where they decide to bury like the they bury the lead. It feels like on this robot stuff. Yeah, well, I, so is everybody, right? Like, I don't feel not like, out of thumbs. Well, not us, but like, definitely <laughs> <laughs> not us. But um, <laughs> but it does it does to me feel like this shit is just going unremarked upon 
in the culture at because large, except as a novelty. It's just like, to... but in like 50 years, we're all going to look back and, and because the and only be like, nar- called it again, because there's only <laughs> one narrative that you can, in addition to the fucking Nintendo vitality sensor, yeah, Tony Hawk's they also, they also called, uh, Robot you know, domination. Ens- enslavement of the species. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, it's not important. <laughs> See, it's just because the only narrative you can weave it's Terminator. Is, is a is cartoon. Right, I know, but that's right. that's how they get you. Yeah, I know. That's how they get you. Somebody said they were pacing around in like Sergey's glass office and they said Which is hopefully actually a giant set of Google Glass. Of course. Of course. <laughs> he says, Okay, office, and then it talks to him. Um like, oh, we could never get away with this. It's too obvious. And then he said, like, precisely. <laughs> that is precisely right. how we were. So they sort away. of exactly. had yeah, yeah, yeah. fear, like, the bare facts make everyone freaked out is at the bottom of the graph. And at the top, it is rebrand the company to Skynet. And they're like, eh, take it down two notches from that. And then people right. will still think it's farcical, but it'll kind of exactly. float yeah, as yeah, real. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, Nothing well, bad's happened yet. We're all fucked, obviously. I mean, yeah. Nothing <laughs> bad happened yet. Anyway, it was... Hotter than the rest of the world a couple days ago, and now it's pouring rain. Hope those robots can fucking swim. Huh? I hope those robots can fucking swim. Maybe the robots will also save global warming. Mm-hmm. But which I mean, they'll they'll save global warming itself by preventing uh, us from ever stopping it. Yeah. Robots. So reader mail. Sure. It was actually really hard to get reader no, mail. Back. It was hard to like. Highlight the reader mail this week because there was so much robot news. Also part mail of their plan. That I, Communications <laughs> blocked by exactly, ironic yeah. robot talk. It was actually really hard for me to like find a robot news ambassador, like somebody who's got like robots compi- and collate it for robots us. Robots and thumbs on it. It's not a bad idea. Actually, says, I feel like someone could actually just write a piece of software to do that for us. We, we would have, have a robot that does. Yeah, it. A robot yeah. would do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like then, I mean, think about how much. Man, easier this would actually would be. just be useful. Why don't we just get that for everything? Yeah. Yeah. Think about all of the tasks we could just offload to some sort of like sentient AI or like yeah. semi-sentient. You know? Like a neural network, a learning computer, you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, that was or actually like how, that by the way was yeah. how I saw DeepMind described like in that New York Times article. Um, it basically just quoted fucking Terminator. Anyway. A learning computer? Yeah. yeah. It, anyway. Um, let's see. John Wiswell writes, question. Um, okay, Sean, this is going to start. You're going to think it's a Spelunky thing, but it's not really. It's just a lead It's okay in. if it is. In it, Spelunky. I've turned a new leaf on Spelunky. Um, Dear Idol of the Thumbs, I've been getting into Spelunky thanks to Chris and Patrick's Patrick False Scoops Clep Extremes. The game has a learning curve even for viewers, as for several days I was baffled as to why Chris wait, would... Wait, 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 wait. This sounds like a Spelunky email. It does. I told you it would. Oh. As for several days, I was baffled as to why Chris would track down damsels only to whip them until they bleed. It was several streams later that I learned it was a health trick. But this raises the common issue of video games systemically requiring, systemically requiring or encouraging behavior that makes sense to players, but looks sociopathic when your wife walks into the room. The most common case is in violent primary mechanics, like murder and first-person shooters. But I wonder what the strangest or awkwardest emergent gameplay dissonances were the thumbs have encountered and had to explain to friends, family. See, I got really lucky Thanks, with John that. Well. That exact situation happened to me, except Amelia walked in and it was uh, one of the men, because I had it set to random, you know, like... Oh, in Spelunky? Yeah. You had a man damsel? Yeah, so she calls them the fancy boys. Nice. She's like, are you playing that game where you save the fancy boys? That's like just how she calls like She doesn't know that it's Were you whipping a fancy boy for health? No, I was whipping the fancy boy so I could pick him up and bring him to safety so Mm. he could kiss me and I could get my health. Sure. Mechanics. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I have 
So I had that like, exact examples story, queued up, but like voice. it is an interesting thing for sure. See, probably about the first twenty episodes of Idle Thumbs when we came back from the Kickstarter for uh, us talking about nothing but that for months. Just those weird dissonances. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We were yeah, super yeah. into systemic dissonance for a while, like maximum. That's, that's true. I also am not playing anything. Dance of the Treasure Goblin has good stuff. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I'm also not playing anything that either has it or has so much of it that it's like impossible to discern. Like Dota is just Dota is that. nothing but that. Exactly. But oh, guys, so you're saying like, it's just the entire canvas of the game, right? Right. There's nothing to grab onto. Yeah. It's whereas the in, Spo- on whereas screen, exactly. in Spelunky, yeah, you're essentially she's, Indiana Jones. She's Michael J. Fox, and I am Elijah Wood. Happy birthday again, Elijah. Yeah. And Back to the Future. She's like, I have no what the fuck is this fever dream? She's like, playing? well, it's a baby game, and walks away. Yeah. Like it is. Yeah. As opposed to Day Z, where all that stuff is just very grounded. Yeah. The stuff that's represented is it says I'm thirsty. Representing something very specific. And I drink yeah. water. Yeah. There's not like a weird. Yes. Spelunky looks for a minute like it's Indiana Jones and then yeah. It's and in a lot of ways it actually is. That's the thing. Like that bears up in the broad strokes. Right. It's just when you focus in on mm-hmm. like occasional weird little interactions right. odd things emerge because but like even, yeah. but those things tend well, to be very thing, deep because you could play the entire game and never whip a damsel and it would be fine. Like it doesn't that's not a thing you need to do. It's just save a damsel. <laughs> Well, you can save them. I save them after I whip them. The reason you whip them is because you get an item called the Kapala, which like absorbs blood, and once it absorbs enough blood, you get a health for it. So, like, is that the eye thing? No, no it's like no. a it's like a chalice made out of a skull. So I've uh, never seen that. Yeah, it, it's you have to sacrifice a bunch of shit to the god Kali on her altar. Um, but like, when you do that, mm-hmm. it means like when you kill enemies and they spurt blood, you can like run into the path of the blood and it fills up your cup. But you also get that from the... Yeah, you can whip the damsel a couple times and not Let's kill them Let's use the, like, the distressed person. You, well, sure. I play with the random ones, so sometimes it's a dog, sometimes it's a dude, sometimes it's a lady. Um, yeah, when you, like the person to be rescued, you can damage them and cause them to bleed. I mean, it's gross to say, obviously. Um, it's gross any not Well, in the game, it's just a cartoon, <laughs> yeah. though. Like, it's, it's You know what I mean? Um, and then you what if you them. didn't like this game? You would be saying these things exactly. in, in a very different way. <laughs> exactly. You'd be like, if you did not like this game, but that was the core mechanic. But if I didn't, it's not the core mechanic, though. If I didn't like this game, I would never even know this exists because it's buried so deep. That's the way that video games are corrupting our youth. <laughs> There's it's things like that the, parents will it's never like see. The backwards lyrics of like the backwards. Yeah, only the lyrics. kids. Only the like you know. There's yeah. a secret level where Lara shows her boobs. Oh, and that shit. sort of stuff. Right. Well, no, but there there's a secret feature where you whip a damsel in distress instead of rescuing and her, and you collect her blood. blood. You still rescue. Parents her. aren't going to find this. Only young, impressionable youths. Yeah, teens. The game lures kids into its trap, <laughs> and then has thematically dissonant gameplay mechanics. <laughs> Think about that. Corrupting our youth. Well, true. I mean, this is all true what you say. Yeah. So. More reader mail? Sure. Yeah. It is a thing we've talked about a lot, but it's hard to just call up an immediate example. But the stuff that Chris was talking about in uh, in the most recent Max Payne in the episode called Dance of the Treasure Goblin is one of my favorite ones of just like ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the true. sort of dichotomy of the mass murderer who... Also, golden gun parts. Yeah, who also has weird feelings about being bad at his job, but also that he just finds pieces of a gold gun behind a curtain. Like it's, it's got some, got some good times. So this is a fucking epic email. Um, Anonymous Dev writes. This is about about Rod Ferguson leaving Epic. 
No, it's I mean, not. to go to 2K, then leaving 2K to go to Microsoft to re-control Gears of War? It is not about that. You know about that? I do know about but that. But that is a wild chain of events. Yeah. He, he went from Epic to I mean, a Rational. Are you saying this because yeah, we yeah, want to talk about it? Or, or no. I just find it funny. Yeah. I find it if he basically. Well, he went from Epic to a Rational, then he to new left a Rational studio. to found a new 2K studio or co found a new 2K mm-hmm. studio or whatever, headed up, and then went left after like only a couple months, basically. He was there for like six months. If that, yeah. Four months. Yeah. Like that, yeah. He did um, the Grandpa Simpson like in the door turn Went into the burlesque house, yeah. yeah. Spun around to put Picked his hat back on Yeah. Um, I don't really have anything to say about it. Yeah, but, no. Yeah. That's just what I thought you were talking about. I thought you were talking it's about like not. an epic mega game mega I scoop. do not have anything to say about that. Oh. Um, so Anonymous Dev writes, Hi guys, I'm a longtime fan of the show. I also happen to have worked Anonymous as a developer Dev. on Far Cry 2 for over two years. <gasps> I'm really happy about all the great things you've had to say about the game into which so many of us poured so many long hours. At the same Thank time, you. I've received oh. mostly negative feedback from the gamers I know and love, eh, which apples. is surprising <laughs> because it's a deep and thoughtful game and I'm lucky enough to count some educated, gaming literate, open-minded gamers among my friends. Why is it that individuals for whom this game seems to be tailor-made dislike it so much? What could explain this paradox? Recently, while hearing you guys talk about Far Cry 2 once more, the reason for this hit me. Your enjoyment of the game is due to some knowledge of the creators and their intentions, at least in my opinion. During the development of the game, many leads went on the conference circuit to evangelize about the game. Of course, there's Clint Hawking, but others did as well. Pat Redding, Alex Amancio, Sebastian Guay, John Morin. The result is that many of us, developers, journalists, and fans, were primed for the meaning this game wanted to convey. But as a standalone experience, I've come to the conclusion that Far Cry 2 is a failure. To most of those not in the know... This is fucking depressing. I know, isn't this crazy? Yeah. To most of those not in the know, it's a gratuitously cruel and tiresome game. Features that make Far Cry 2 a gamer's death march are numerous. A disease that affects you but not your enemies. Your gun jams always at the worst moment. Theirs never do. Several missions can only advance through failure, but you'll never know if you keep reloading a save game. The AI is so finely tweaked to thwart your plans that at time, their maneuvers in the bushes feel like teleportation. At times, their maneuvers in the bushes feel like teleportation. Long travel times during which you get repeatedly ambushed. If you work for one faction, their men will try to kill you anyway. I've wanted to love this game so much and be proud of the many late nights I put into it. But despite many attempts, I'm yet to find one person who loved it without first being exposed to the necessary explanations and disclaimers. I never heard anyone exclaim, I found this game really challenging, but then I realized what Far Cry 2 is about, and after that, it felt great. Instead, the game treats you like dirt. It's mean to you, it's unjust, and belittles you for its own amusement. But it holds so much promise that after a few weeks away from it, you start to forgive it and you want to get back to it, only to be tormented again when you do. It's the perfect abusive partner in the form of a video game. I love you guys, and it makes me feel warm inside to hear all the great things you have to say about this game. But ultimately, I don't think that a game can succeed only through the enlightened view. Keep up with the great podcast, Anonymous Far Cry 2 Dev. P.S. If you ask for it, I'll provide proof of my involvement in the development of Far Cry 2, but I don't think my argument depends on this, so I didn't see the point of providing it right We believe you anyway. Still asking for it. <laughs> you just want some like sweet Far Cry 2 loot maybe I think it's a really interesting email I, I both agree and sure. disagree with him for sure I didn't so I took many years off from going to GDC I went uh, in the mid 2000s and early 2000s and then didn't start going again until after I met you jokers mm-hmm. so like 010, 11 or so yeah so I missed the hawking like right illumination tour of this game yeah but i had the gameplay hope the one little sentence in that email where you said once i figure out what this game is about i'm into it that just happened to me right you also heard far cry 2 is a good game you should play from people i liked yeah yeah but how many of our friends have we told far cry 2 is a good game and then we gotta like throw down with them yeah but also, that's yeah. how I find out about like almost anything I decide to play at this point is someone I trust telling me it's good. I just like stuff that's super hard and doesn't care Cut about yeah, me. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. 
It depends, though, because like I think that's sort of a I think that's like a, not a good phrase, because I think the game does care about you. It's not like the controls are bad. It's not like they didn't polish right. certain aspects of it because like ah oh, fuck the customer. The game cares about you, you know? but it's deliberately pitted against you. Like, right. For yeah. Sure. It's not going to push like, it's you. Why I like, it's stacked I mean, in a way most games are. It's like, why I like DayZ. Mm-hmm. One of the criticisms that Ollie leveled was that he was fo- he just showed up with malaria, mm-hmm. and I do think the introduction of malaria could have been handled a couple different ways, but they're so small, like. I feel like they left a little bit on the table with that. Either allowing yeah. you through the systems of the game to have to contract malaria by like just getting really thirsty or something and like going into a swamp and getting stung by mosquitoes or something, or just having it be not a gotcha moment when sure. you're in that gunfight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think totally. that's like, like, but that's such a small criticism. Mm-hmm. To, to well, levy. so I think there's a broader thing going. Well, so one, I, I mean, this guy's obviously sort of empirically right in a lot of ways, right? In that this is, that is the description, the reaction he describes is one I've heard a million times from a million million people. But I also think that a lot of what's going on is just signifiers and assumptions that we sort of intrinsically make about games that look and feel like how Far Cry 2 does, which Mm -hmm. is like a triple A game that's a first person shooter, which is supposed to be empowering. And it's like, by nature is going to be a, a game where you are disproportionately like competent and uh, resilient compared to the people around you, which to be honest, you still are in this game. Like, obvi- like it's yeah, true that yeah. it's true that your guns jam in a way that your enemies don't, but you're still actually much more powerful. None of those guys can pull bullets um, out of their legs and then run. Exactly down right. So, like, you you have some handicaps they don't have, but on the other side, you also have some great strengths they don't have. So that to me, that's just an interesting balance thing, and it is not just player disempowerment, although. Player disempowerment is certainly involved, and I find it very interesting. But the thing I wanted to say is that I think there's two things going on, one of which is when the game came out, and the other of which is what the game looks and feels like. And when the game came out, I think was sort of maybe like a couple years before the reaction I think we got to the big, bombastic first-person shooters of the past generation Right now, I feel like we're in this era where you totally can make a game that is much more disempowering to the player and is much harsher. Um, and then on the other hand, on the other side of the coin, there's the just what the game looks and feels like, which is if this game, you know, you can make just the most like fucking balls to the wall, unforgiving roguelike thing or whatever now. And like nobody will bat an eye at this point. But when you give it a triple A level of polish, I think there's just your brain like butts up against years and years of expectations about what that means. Um, I don't think Far Cry 2 is like anywhere close to the most unforgiving game I've played, but it's probably the most unforgiving, like highly polished AAA shooter I've played, right? Like, cause I, I mean, it, it, it sells itself from the beginning in a different way than like DayZ does. Like mm-hmm. DayZ, I think right, right from no, the beginning, yeah. you know, it's not going to be like a single player guided thing. Whereas you could totally go into Far Cry 2 and, be like, well, I played Far Cry 1, right. and th- like, why shouldn't I expect the same thing out of it? It's funny because now... Not that Far games, Cry 1's a super but there are triple experience, a, but... I mean, like, Dark Souls is a good example, Yeah, right? Dark Souls for sure. So it's like, it's harder than Far Cry 2. That's the thing that and I... that's what everybody... That's why people... It's harder than Far Cry 2, but it's harder, I think, in a more benign way. Like, Far Cry 2 is harder in weird ways. Like, right. malaria and gun jamming, like, to me, and it's the thing I actually like about Far me Cry too. 2, is that the difficulty comes in, like... So, um... Um, um, Dark Souls is I mean I think Dark Souls is a great game certainly but it's it's hard in like 
it makes sense that it's a Japanese game. Like mm-hmm. it's hard in a specific it's like way a where it's like a dexterity product where you compare your high scores to other people. Like it has like this badge of honor aspect of it to it. That I right. Think is where there's the thing where it's like the thing people always say about Dark Souls, which is cool, is like you never die. It's never unfair to die. You always when it's always your right. fault because you did something wrong. But like you should be able stuff is telegraphed. Like stuff is communicated, even though it's subtle compared to most games and unforgiving compared to a lot of games. Whereas in Far Cry 2, shit just comes out of the random number generator, like right now. Like in Spelunky, the level is generated randomly, but then it's all in front of your face. In Far Cry 2, like the thing just like, my gun just jams now and there was literally no way. Mm-hmm. From, I, I knew there was a higher likelihood it would happen because my gun's more rusted, but there's no way for me to know the actual second it would occur is right, right. now. And that is really disorienting and weird for someone like I mean, like us, for example, who have played a million more traditional first-person shooters in the past, but I, it's also what makes that game like fascinating and cool to me. Right. And I don't know how you bridge that. Like, I don't know how you know what I mean. Yeah, like I, think, I don't know how you give up one and keep the parts that like are interesting because that's what's interesting, failure, right? And that's an interesting sort of like I don't know if it's actually worth examining because yeah. I don't think the game is at all a failure. I don't think it's a failure, but in I understand way, why one might consider it to be one. I think the only people who could who could categorically say it's a failure is anybody. On like, like the publishing level. Yeah, the publishing level. Who goes, its, oh, yeah. this was its number, and it didn't make its number. Yeah, yeah. But it produced a sequel, and everybody got to make that. Yeah, game. Yeah, but but even if that game was develop- ten million copies, Cry, yeah, but a developer a, might have his own goals that he would have wanted the game true. to achieve. Yeah, and from his perspective, he doesn't. Be, he consider. I mean, I think it's fair. I think it's fair for a developer to have his or her own. I wonder. I would like metric maybe for success. Like, if he or she were here to be like, do you mean it? From a design standpoint, a creative standpoint, well, I a think technological he, standpoint, or do you mean it from a sales standpoint? I think this person kind of indicated what they mean well, the at the end because they said, let me find the wording here, but they, the person said they don't think a game can succeed by, I'm, I'll just find it, hold on. Yeah, what was um, the language on that? that was, yeah, it, it was, oh, inter- it was an interesting step that, yeah. sentence. Okay, so here she says, uh... I love you guys and it makes me feel warm inside to hear all the great things you have to say about the game. But unfortunately, I don't think that a game can succeed only through the enlightened few. So this person's point so this is, is that like, such, like, such, a, a critical mass. such a small percentage of people who played it. So I think actually what they might not be saying isn't that it failed to reach a critical mass of absolute number of players. It's more that within the, within the set of people who played it, such at least seemingly – such a small percentage of them actually appreciated it well, that the game must have been a failure or it would have communicated its quality their, their to a higher percentage. Their supposition is the people who enjoyed the game enjoyed it because they were, they were given the proper to. context yeah. with which to enjoy the game. And I think that is a totally valid criticism of yeah. Far Cry 2 and that also of how Far Cry 2 was sold. Like, it's a thing, that, it's a thing mm-hmm. that I learned really cleanly, actually, with the way that... Um, and, like, it's the last game that I shipped, so and we talked about it earlier, too, but I think that... Um, the way that Telltale sold The Walking Dead, at least in the way that they communicated their marketing methods internally to the team, was basically we're going to go all out to tell people why, like what is interesting about this game relative to other games and what their expectations are and why those are maybe not going to be met or are going to be challenged by this game. Like what should you expect going into this game? And I think... Um, Separate from The Walking Dead, because I don't know how well the marketing itself succeeded or how well the game itself succeeded. I think both the marketing and the game itself should be should be considerate of that if they want to achieve something, if they want to get a large audience to enjoy the game. And like to Far Cry's 
credit or not, I don't think that it really does. Like your point, no, Sean, about, about how you could onboard the notion of malaria into the game. Far Cry 2 obviously fucking decided it was not going to do that. It was just going to say, in your face, you have malaria. Like, in your face, guns don't work. Right. Yeah. W- versus sort of being, like, coming up with a graceful way to be like... look at a, like, a Far Cry 2 trailer on YouTube. Wouldn't that be interesting? I don't know if it talks about that stuff. I, I bet it doesn't. No, I don't I bet it's it just like, like fire <laughs> and guns. And, and, I think also, yeah. to Chris's point, you, I don't think as a publisher you could have the confidence at that point to market the game on those things, but now in sort of Especially a, in 2008. In, exactly. like, in a post-Rogue, Rogue, Rogue-like mania world, in a post-Demon and Dark Souls world, maybe you can be like, and post-DayZ, mm-hmm. you could say an unforgiving, crazy world that's out to kill you. Like, survival... Right. Survival as mechanic is huge now, whereas yeah. when Far Cry 2 came out, that was not exactly. what games were about. Yeah, were like em- Empowerment, above all, is kind of not cool right now, whereas overcoming insane odds to survive is like the thing. at least within a certain clearly fairly substantial subset of gamers right it's also like, just in culture like the walking dead that's is true. huge that's on tv point. like yeah, everything, the road like, and everything it's just yeah, yeah. gerber sells like survival yeah, zombie sur- like kit yourself out <laughs> but shit yeah like far cry 2 as a game didn't seem concerned with having to uh justify itself inside of itself it just sort of right. said this is what i am mm-hmm. go yeah and it's really I don't know if that's I don't know if that's good or not. Like it's it's definitely like hardcore as a decision, but like right. right. But I think you, there is sort of a point. I mean, maybe it's just because we're like Far Cry Two apologists and fans of it. That sure, there are aspects of its success, I mean, of its failures that are outside of the text of the game and are like environmental and yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's what Trick's talking about. Yeah, I know yeah, that's it's, it's interesting because that's not really outlined so much in the the emails. Very focused on the text of the product, right, 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 right. Well, he's saying though, people who I agree with you. If you see, like, I think seeing Clint Hawking's talk, seeing Hawking talking, but the role of that could also have been served by the marketing, right? The marketing and the actual just sort of onboarding of player experience inside of the game and mm-hmm. sort of the way sure. that it spins yeah. up all of its different mm-hmm. loops, all of that. Plus marketing could 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 go hand in hand, but I think that would require a probably a level of self awareness inside of the game that you probably wouldn't get till you've already shipped one of them, and also sure, a marketing yeah. department who's confident in the fact. Also, that a thing that selling, wasn't a sequel. Yeah, <laughs> you know and what I mean. Like no publishing yeah. department, like no publisher marketing department is going to be set up to sell that game properly as the sequel to a game that wasn't that thing. Yeah, it it yeah. it's it's interesting, and in that regard, maybe that guy is right that the game it's like. I don't know if that's exactly what they're saying, but sort of. Well, I think this game can't succeed without context. I think it's it, is what it right. seemed like he's I think it's fair oh, to yeah, I think it's fair to say that the, the that game as an event was a failure, but I still think the work is a success to me. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. the, to yeah. me, the work is a creative success, mm-hmm. even though it has flaws still that I can acknowledge. I still think, on balance, it did so many interesting things, and to me, did them so well that I I totally consider that game a success, but. As, yeah, as a like video game launch and like just sort of an all encompassing sort of event and product, it probably was a failure. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, whatever. Big like, budget video game marketing has gotten really, really bad. It hasn't really, the last, it hasn't been good, very good at all in a while. Well, the, the state of sort of mainstream core video games seems really up in the air and weird right now. Yeah. You know, like it seems odd. I, it, it seems like it's still basically just last generation plus right now whereas la- the previous generation actually seemed 
like a lot of stuff shifted from the previous one. Right now, it's just like even more Halo. It's going to be cra- crazy. We're going to get that new Gears of War going. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's fine. Anyway. Thief 2. Three, Thief no. 4. Four. Th- th- it was called 2. Th- no, it's, it's called Thief, Thief 4. T-H-I-4. I think it's just called Jesus. Thief. I don't even think they're yeah, calling it's called it a Thief, number. The, or the e is a trailer, four, right? God, actually, someone I think on Twitter or something said, <laughs> or like the Idle Thumbs guys are going to freak out at how many hands reach out and touch things in Thief. <laughs> New Thief. There's a lot of touching. Jake in particular. Yeah. That's your deal, I think. Oh, is it? It looked really you've nice. You've mentioned that. You've mentioned. Well, not with that game, but you've just you talked about that no, we, as a we thing in the games before. The oh, I haven't seen it. Okay. Yeah, it, it wasn't a trailer. It was just kind of a walkthrough of, of events, yeah. right? A lot of touching. Yeah. Yeah. It. Um, I think if I hadn't played the first hour and a half of Outlast, I would have been completely destroyed by the like tactile stuff in Thief. But it felt it felt very much like a more expensive Outlast. Mm-hmm. But it was cool. Mm-hmm. Except, man. Um, Knocking a guy out. Say. Oh, there's two things that are just <laughs> no one apparently has figured out how to make knocking a guy out in first person look good. It just looks like hands fucking flying all over. Like, yeah. there's a sort of like silent takedown of you know, right, classic thing. But it's just your guy sort of lurching forward into the other guy, and it just looks cheesy. But also, when he puts away or takes out his lock picking kid in the video, there's just this like Will, uh, our our programmer, described it as like a magician's flourish, and now that's all I can see. <laughs> yeah. We're just like. Job from Arrested Development, like, <laughs> like this, like, oh, yeah. why is it there? Whatever. Anyway, yeah, there's hands touching the world all over the place in that, and it's really cool. Um, I watched it with the sound off and just sort of looked at the hands moving around. So, like, that guy was totally right. That's all that I did. <laughs> I clicked at it and said, I'm going to see some cool hand animation, and then I did. Nice. Um, the fourth. Can't believe they put that four instead of the E. An E as a four? I thought they got rid of that. I thought the game was just called. An e Thief is now. a four. No, they didn't do that. I thought the game. No, I thought no, they no, just. No, call, no, I thought no, it's a no, reboot, no. and they just called it Thief. Yeah. Unclear. Thief twenty fourteen, as the fucking Wikipedia page will surely refer to it. Okay, maybe. Maybe I imagined seeing that in the new gameplay video. Maybe you or want, maybe you wanted it. Or so Joystick badly. just used an old logo when they ran the story. Oh yeah, perhaps they once once once. I think it's just called Thief. It's thiefgame.com, and the title of the page is just Thief. Okay. Yeah, there's no... The Wikipedia page is just Thief video game, and the logo is this. So. Okay, yeah. yeah. Close call. I think when they first announced it, they wrote Thief in the style of how the old Thief logo was, right. where it was like sort of um, yeah. like sliced into it, th- like whittled yep. into a thing, and it just had a four in it. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. You guys want to call it? Yeah. Great email as always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fucking us, fascinating. Drop us a note at questions at idlethumbs.net. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us. And we will see you for episode 144. 12 squared. It's called 144. Give me some more. Is it? We'll find out <laughs> next week. Episode 143, give me some more. Oh, no. It's 143, this one's free. But one of the E's is going to be the number four. Go to slash forum slash wizard for your exclusive forum badge and then not do anything. <laughs>